Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only.
Hello? <clears throat> Hello? 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 Can you hear me? Can you hear me? All right. Let me see if I can get him again. All right. Again, I'm trying. I can't hear me. So that's what we had last time with Friday. 
Let's try one more time. Dan, I'm trying to call you, and you did answer, so it's the right phone number. Hello? Can you hear me now? Hello? Hello? Okay, let me get on the other phone. Okay. So it's his phone. He's got two phones. All right. Let's wait a minute, folks. Janet, are you going to call in from Hawaii? Okay. Can you hear me, Jan? Sorry, I'm here. Jan, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Well, we're on. Okay. And uh, there's something about you having two phones. Sometimes I can hear you and sometimes you can hear me, but you can hear me now, right? Right. All right. Well, here we go. Let me get rid of the feedback. Do you have any feedback? I can hear I can uh, hear an echo of you. It's not a feedback, it's an echo. Oh, it's an echo. Okay. Let me turn my headset down. Okay, Jan, we're doing Ace Live Coaching tonight, or today, Ascension Center Ohana Network, Jan Aldrich, Janet, and TJ. But uh, Janet is uh, showing an apartment right now, or bungalow, whatever you call it in Hawaii, where she is, at the Ascension Center Education Facility she has with Dr. Lesson. And we've been teaching for years and years, since back 89 to 94, and he has a degree in anthropology and master's in psychology. And then we do life coaching, and uh, we also do ace metaphysics and tantra. And she has the International School of Tantra. And uh, she's got the Soul Foundation she's building over there with the Ascension Center Network. Now, you've been working a long time, and you and I talked about J. Allen Hynek and uh, QPOS and how you collected data and information and uh, we can go back to, uh, I guess, what some people call the invisible college because I heard Dr. Bruce Cornett refer to you and I with J. Allen Hynek just because we worked but we didn't have to be known. And you have a whole group of people that you're in, and you've been in 50 or so oral history groups. But now what I'd like to know today is if you can help us decipher and grow all our professional associations that do different things, but understand why some of them are secret. In our, we have Psychic University, Ace Metaphysical Institute, but I wrote the books on all that, and I've taught over 1,500 people minimum to be life coaches and metaphysicians and uh, even do tarot readings. But can you help us with oral history and setting up our oral history and our archive? whether they want to talk alien contact in Hawaii or UFO association or ace folk life or ace metaphysical, doesn't matter the topics. You understand 
we can do these live radio shows weekly and help them with their groups. And so let's explain infrastructure versus structure and content. Because you've been to a lot. You understand structure and content both because you've right. done both. All right. So as a historian and as a business, because I know uh, your level of military, and we have a military history, and we have archivists like Hugh Trawson. And Hugh it, was in the military, and he has been with me since the beginning with our ACO association. And he uh, is a whistleblower, and he has Trawson and Trump whistleblowers on his uh, little free Weebly that he has a friend run for him website. And he likes to put out uh, paper like you do, copies of old paper when it was nothing but paper. He scanned it in and had his friend put it where people can see it on the Internet. So maybe you can help us understand the difference between scanners and people. He calls himself global visionary. (laughs) I guess we're all that on the Internet. And then we have all this free social media. But – Tell us about the difference between professionals and hobby. We sort of started last week, and we're setting up a company where people can just pay in $3 a month if they want to, and we'll put their picture and their bio and their websites on it in our directory. But that just means we'll refer them. But what if we had monthly a meeting and then an annual meeting for all oral history clubs that you're starting here today? Anyway, it's a goal, folks. It's a goal. <laughs> so, Jan, how about it? Where should we start? Well, our, uh, I thought we were going to maybe uh, touch on oral histories first. Well, that's what I'm talking about, everybody's associations. But you're going to run one and coach it. You're going to be a life coach for oral history. So, <laughs> so oral history is uh, – one of the things you need is some good equipment. Oh boy! Video and uh, uh, audio equipment, and you need uh, you need some experience in doing this. Uh, uh, well, you got enough experience to coach. Well, it, no, I don't, you? because uh, um, uh. My friend uh, Tom Tulene is a videographer, so he knows he knows how to set up the lighting and work, how to get a good sound level and things like that. I don't. So the reason well, I come along, I reason I come along is because I know the history of the subject. So you Tom the does um, the setups and the uh, um. Pre-production. Yeah, and and um, and, uh, and I, I do some of the questioning. And Tom does some of the questioning too because he's now he's he's done two hundred of these things, so he knows what he's doing as far as the history goes. But uh, so he does interviews. He does interviews, but usually he has somebody that that's that's knowledgeable with him. So On a particular uh, topic. Well, are you guys set up like History Channel or not? We don't set up like anybody. Nothing like a television thing. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. No, Tell us what y'all do. So, um, the thing is, with with us, we are, like I said, we're not 
professional um, people. A professional uh, has, they have the, uh, they have certain things that they have to do with the oral history. Uh, and we're we're bowling around through this thing like a bull in a china shop trying to get things done because um, when we go on these uh, trips, which uh, I, I described, I've distra- <clears throat> described two of them on uh, on my website. It's it's the latest thing on my website about uh, research uh, uh, trips. Uh, we usually try to to uh, get in touch with people that we'd like to interview beforehand and set up a time with them. But sometimes it's just like this. We get to get to one interview and the guy we interview tells us, oh, you need to so go see this person over here. They can, uh, uh, they can tell you stuff. So sometimes it's just, um, it's just one thing after another. Uh, uh, I know I started one uh, one trip uh, in Arizona, and we interviewed a person there. Then we interviewed uh, um, a uh, uh, communications chief at a stallion site out there at uh, uh, White Sands Missile Range. So um, that was another interview, and then in, in, on the way we tried to get in touch with a couple other people, uh, but we we ended up interviewing uh, about uh, eight people on that trip, starting in Arizona and ending up in uh, Florida. <coughs> so, and some of them were just targets of opportunity. We. Uh, um, we interviewed Milton Torres, who uh, we just got in touch with uh, because uh, somebody called while we were on the road said, hey, you should stop and see him. I just talked to him. He'd be willing to do an interview with you guys. So that's what we did. So that's that's kind of not professional. Professional is you come in and you're completely knowledgeable about the person's um, background and everything. And and sometimes we're we're just doing this as on the fly. We uh, um, Milton Torres was a, a great interview. Um, he he was a, besides being a fighter pilot in the military, he he was a an aviation expert. Uh, at a university afterwards, and he was working on a patent when we were down there. So it was, it was really interesting. Um, so you you try to uh, develop uh, some kind of a theme and questions on your way down there. And like I say, you need some kind of uh, a professional standard for this. You should use... Um, archival material which will stand up it won't just uh, uh, if you're using film or we 
which most people don't use anymore, or uh, video, uh, such as uh, uh, tape. If you're not using uh, CDs, um, you need to use uh, archival-type material that, that, uh, that'll last and also uh, keep the... Uh, it, it's more. Uh, it's better quality when you uh, when you actually uh, people need to see it afterwards. Uh, you need the high quality material, um, and you need lighting. You need to bring lighting. So that's a usually when we go somewhere, um, we have a, a van or something. And we're carrying a lot of equipment. Uh, lighting, lighting may be a problem, or maybe the sun is just great. We did one interview out in the woods there with uh, uh, with uh, Runyon, uh, B-52 uh, pilot in the, involved in the Minot case. We just did that out in the woods, and the the lighting was the natural lighting was just perfect. Uh, and with this this fellow um, Runyon, uh, we didn't know what we had. We had no idea. I mean, he had sent in a uh, UFO form in which he had told about the B-52 sighting at Minot, and his um, part in it, and he filled out the form. And so we, I went and got the Minot case out of the uh, Project Blue Book uh, records there, and there was a there was a form in there, which uh, somebody had filled out, and I thought this was well, this was his form. He filled this out after he landed the aircraft. <laughs> surprise, surprise, we were surprised. So I had the form from Kufos, which was his form. Um, and when we started the interview, we found out, no, he had never filled out a UFO form questionnaire for the Air Force. He had never done that. He had never really been questioned (laughs) by anybody there. Even though he was the pilot, he was not the senior man on the aircraft, and the senior man on the aircraft was the one that was interview uh was uh interviewed by the uh by the investigators uh, so this was this was he's telling his own story for the first time so we thought we had some background on what was going on and we found out that this this man had never been interviewed on this before of course, he was he was uh, the best witness because he was. I mean, he could see the UFO out right outside the aircraft through his window. He's right up there in a co-pilot's position, while the man that filled out the form was in the back of the cockpit, as he was just a check pilot. He was not. He was not there to fly the aircraft. And he was just getting in some flying time during this um, thing. And uh, 
of course, there were things in the report that didn't, you know, uh, we didn't we didn't know what was going on exactly. Uh, first thing he told us, well, after uh, after a plane comes off of uh, nuclear alert, when they actually have the new uh, the uh, material there, they're on alert. They go on alert for a month, and after after they're finished with their alert, they fly the plane for about <clears throat> forty-eight to seventy-two hours to, <coughs> to check out the aircraft. So, like I said, we were we were doing this without the complete story. Now, usually, when you start on what we do. This is our technique. We go in there and we try to talk for uh, a few minutes about the person's, you know, his his life, his childhood, uh, his education, uh, his job, what he did, how he got involved in that job, things like that. So you have a, a, a view of the person and who he is. Uh, also, it puts people at ease, and when you start asking um, questions about UFOs, they don't feel like they're all of a sudden being interrogated. It's just like a, a nice transition to uh, to what they what they uh, how they were involved in the in the uh, UFO case. Uh, and like I said, most of the time we try to prepare in in advance, but a lot of times it's just, hey, you want to inter- you want to interview this guy, and and all of a sudden we're we're interviewing somebody we didn't even know we were going to talk to, and that's happened many times. Uh, also, many times on the way, somebody we were going to interview, they can't make it. They either. I mean, some of these people are old. We had uh, we had a number of people that are in their 80s that we were interviewed. One in their 90s that we interviewed. So things happen like health crisis or other things. So uh, you have to have a little bit of flexibility. Uh, like I said, we uh, we start off with with their life, whatever we know about it, we ask them, and then they they supply details. So, uh, and um, say like a pilot, well, how'd you get involved in this? How long have you been flying? <laughs> How did you learn to fly? Um, uh, what was your career like? Something like that. Um, Walking through the UFO case, uh, we had the we had the case file, but then you find out that they have certain things that were in the case file that they can add to it, um, and and things that happened afterwards, like being interrogated. Now, like I said, this guy was not interrogated, Runyon, and we. Uh, we asked him, were you told by anybody not to talk about this? And he said, 
look, I'm in SAC, Strategic Air Command. He said, nobody had to tell me anything. I knew we couldn't talk about this. He said, he said they didn't need to tell us that. But the general officer up there had a briefing. And he told about several incidents that were going on at the same time, and so this is this is this is real interesting. Uh, plus, Runyon had met uh, somebody from the CIA, and uh, they 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 had both gone to the same high school, not at the same time. They weren't contemporaries, but. <laughs> they both got to the same high school, so they got talking together. And uh, I think Runyon mentioned something about being at Minot, and the CIA guy said, oh, yeah, I know about Minot. I was sent up there. And he starts describing the UFO incident that happened, and Runyon said, I'm a witness to that. He said I was involved in that case, so that was that was funny. Now we, this is this is uh, years ago, so we're trying to find this uh, ex CIA guy, trying to run him down. It was uh, it was very difficult, and we never were able to get a hold of him. We got uh, we got yearbooks from the high school and things like that, and, and asked Runyon if he could uh, remember him and. It just wasn't, you know, it just, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. <clears throat> in some cases, uh, you're talking to people, and right in the middle of the uh, uh, interview, they uh, say, you know what, uh, you're talking about my friend there. He was never involved in this. I, I said, well, look, I got a document that says he was. So we just stopped the interview right then, and we called up this guy's friend, and you know he denied being involved in the in the incident. So that would that you got to be ready for that kind of thing. Now, professionally, if you do an interview, you send the person a uh, a copy, and that's what we do. We also we also send people copies of their their interviews. But what you're supposed to do afterwards is give them a chance to add or um, or take out, take away, or correct something that they said during the interview. Now we try to do that, but uh, sometimes that's just uh, not possible. But that professionally, that's what you should do. You should. Send them a copy of the interview. Ask them if they have anything more to say or clarify, or ask them if there's anything they want removed. Um, and yeah, there's all kinds of personal things that uh, may just enter into it, so they don't want to talk about something that they inadvertently explain to you during the interview. So you you have to be ready for that. Um, the, uh, 
And as I said, usually, say if you were at Texas A&M, they call people in to come to uh, their studio there and interview people right there. We do this different. We go around the country and and try to uh, meet people at uh, at uh, their home or some other uh, thing like maybe a library or um, where we we can uh, we can do this. Uh, so it it involves a lot of traveling too. And as I say, a lot of times it's a it's a uh, it's an it's just a a, a, a target. <coughs> Excuse me. It's a target of opportunity. Somebody just comes up that you we wanted to interview. And some people, sometimes we get to an interview and the person's decided they don't want to interview. Um, so we interviewed some people like Frederick Durant, who was uh, um, a CIA, and his uh, one of the things that he was involved in UFOs, he was involved a lot in UFOs, not just that, but he was... a he was involved with the Robertson panel. He's the one that wrote the uh, report on the Robertson panel, exactly what they did and everything. And at the time, we didn't have... uh, One of the scientists at the Robertson panel took notes. We didn't have those notes, so we were at a disadvantage. And you could have... if we had those notes, we could have asked him more questions. We did ask him a bunch of questions, and I, I, I got the feeling about halfway through the interview, we thought we were interviewing him, and I think he thought he he was trying to interview us. So it was kind of uh, interesting, and he kept uh, all his negative. Uh, he, he said. There's nothing about the Robertson panel I would I would change. He said I wouldn't change a word in my um, after action report. And uh, I I just I just know from his actions afterwards with uh, with the Project Blue Book that he was more positive about UFOs during that period than he let on afterwards. He makes him makes himself be the big skeptic, skeptic now. He's the big skeptic. But uh, his correspondence with the Project Blue Book chief, Captain Ruppelt, shows that, uh, that he was... Uh, he was more positive in those days than he is now. He was completely negative now. And we could talk to him and he would uh, admit, well, this thing is strange and I, don't, I can't explain this. And But then he would always snap back to his old position. There's nothing to it. You're wasting your time. Um, there was We never found anything that was of any interest. 
blah, blah, blah. But uh, uh, that was uh, uh, fairly interesting. Now, one of the interviews we did was with uh, James Mosley, who uh, more or less is might be said to be uh, the Joker in ufology, Um, and he was always uh, stirring the pot and uh, trying to get people to react to his some of his outrageous statements. So when we got there, he said, you know, I, I agreed to do this interview, but he said, we're not going to do it sober. We're going to have to get drunk to do this interview. So... We that was kind of a hoot, but I think we got a lot of uh, good information out of him. Uh, he did write a book with Carl Flock called "The uh, Confessions of a Grave Robbing Ufologist," because he was interested in archaeology and he did uh, go to Peru a number of times in Central America or South America. <clears throat> And he was involved in some almost shady dealings there. Uh, So that was uh, an an interview under unusual conditions. Um, uh, And uh, there were no empty glasses during the interview. He kept filling them back up again. I don't think it was a particularly rich interview. It's, it was it was interesting, and there are you know he he was involved in uh, in the early days talking to the Air Force, so that was something we could explore a little bit. Um, Menzel had done a, a portrait that he gave to Mosley, so he brought that out. We put that in the interview. Um, so things like that are, uh, are very interesting. Um, Menzel was, um, let's put it this way. He, he believed that there was life on Mars at the time when most people had already written everything off about Mars. Almost all scientists had, and Menzel was, so he, one of the things he liked to do is paint Martian landscape with uh, Martians, and this was one of those portraits. We used that for part of the thing. Um, he he had gone to the Air Force, and uh, they actually showed him in uh, fifty-two, fifty-three, some material that they hadn't shown Keo. And he mentioned that he and Keo had had a meeting, and. Uh, Keo told Mosley, "You don't know anything." Said, "I I I know more than you do about this." So it was kind of like you know, uh, uh, an ego thing. I know more than you do. You're useless. I think that put Mosley off on Keo, and I for the rest of Keo's career, Mosley dogged him, and. Uh, uh, made uh, 
well, let's put it this way, nasty comments about him for the, the whole rest of Keo's career. So, and once again, this is this is something we didn't know about. We knew that he had taken a uh, trip around the country in 1953. He'd gone all around the country. He'd interviewed people on his way, but he didn't make notes or anything. And uh, he, he was president of uh, CSI New York at the time, and I know Blocher kept writing him letters saying, Tell us more about this witness you talked to. And he said, yeah, I can't remember anything. I said, really? He did, though, I guess towards the, towards the, after the first half, he did start keeping a diary about where he'd been. Um, but he'd already disposed of that, and we couldn't see it. So he's, this is, this is in the 90s, so quite a ways from 1953. He couldn't remember too much. Uh, he claimed he didn't have a good memory to begin with. So th um, these are the things you run into. Now, talking to uh, Runyon about the Minot case, uh, we asked him who the other crewmen on the uh, B-52 were, and he said, well, you know, I was on the I was on with these these crew for a while and then we were split up and he said except for one chance meeting I never saw these guys ever again he said I went to Vietnam and I never I said I saw one guy and we we did talk about the case but it was very general do you remember the case and how was it and uh, while talking in the interview, he just remembered something. And he he went to his uh, files, and he pulled out a, a picture. And all the crew, his crew, during the, for this UFO sighting, were... Uh, were standing in front of the aircraft, and you could read every one of the guys' last names on their uniforms. And once he heard the last names, he remembered the first names. And so uh, then we knew the the whole crew. Now, the Project Blue Book stuff, the names are crossed out, so uh, we had no idea about who these people were. But now we have the names... And Tom went ahead and managed to uh, talk to every living crewman and interview them uh, based on that. And that's how he wrote the Minot case, which is online. Uh, they, uh, just just um, go in and... Uh, just go uh, UFO Minot Air Force Base, and it'll come up October 68. Uh, so just by getting that photograph, we were able to run down all the uh, living crewmen and uh, talk to them.
uh, when uh, Peter Jennings was doing his ABC special on UFOs, uh, he got in touch with Tom, and then he saw all the interviews that had been done with the Minot crew people and uh, documents that had been collected. And he went back and re-interviewed everybody, confirmed what we, what Tom and, and the rest of us had done here. And it was, it was right on the mark. And that's one of the reasons he used that in his uh, special there. And two times on uh, ABC News at night, he had, he had uh, stories on the case. So uh, just from doing that, uh, this case got a lot of exposure, and it's um, we were able to have uh, radar people uh, look at the radar data because there's radar uh, photographs, photographs of the radar uh, scope while this thing was close to the B-50, uh, B-52. And we, it was able to analyze the speed and uh, uh, how big it was and things like that, uh, which is uh, amazing. And it, one of one of the uh, analysis was done by people at the French Space Agency. And like I said, we weren't able to find a CIA guy. If we found him, that would be even more interesting. And there's still things we don't know about. We could still be investigating this case because uh, uh, air defense people apparently, uh, although we we don't have documents confirming this, apparently they sent uh, uh, F-106s after the UFO. So this just just shows the things that you, uh, even a prepared oral history interview, there's all kinds of surprise, surprises when you start talking to people. Sometimes the things that are written down are inaccurate and the, uh, the people can set the record straight, which is also an important thing to do. Um, like I said, we we stopped uh, when we were with uh, Frederick Durant. He just called up one of his friends and said, hey, were you involved in uh, CSI Los Angeles? And the guy said, no, 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 I never knew anything about him. But the FBI had, had his name as one of the people involved. They they interviewed uh, Dr. Randall, who was the uh, who had been a German. Uh, he'd been a Nazi uh, rocket uh, scientist, and he was the head of CSI Los Angeles, nominally, anyways. Um, and the FBI interviewed him in uh, 1953. Uh, which is on my site. You can go to my site and and read the interview. Um, 
and that's a result of the Robertson panel. The Robertson panel said there's two UFO organizations we need to look out for. Aerial Phenomena Research Organization in Arizona and uh, Civilian Saucer Investigations in Los Angeles. And Randall was a, he was the head of the the organization down there. And of course, I think uh, he was kind of intimidated when they came down. The FBI came down and in, interviewed him. Um, he was no longer working for the government at that time. He was in private industry. But even so, uh, the stuff he was doing was for the government. So uh, I, I think they uh, that may be one of the reasons that CSI Los Angeles came to an end. Because it uh, in 1954 they disbanded after this interview. So the uh, the main thing is pulling up this guy's the the people you're interviewing, and since we're interviewing about UFOs, how they were involved in UFOs, if they were investigators, if they were witnesses. Um, or, or uh, for for some other reason, had some kind of uh, involvement in UFOs. You should you should try to do all the reading you can in advance to find out where they are. So, you, if there is anything question you 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 don't we don't have uh, the information on, you can ask them in their in their interview and uh, maybe. Uh, clarify a lot of things about what they did or what they saw. <clears throat> we uh we interviewed C B Moore and he uh he told us a lot of things about interactions with the uh with the Air Force. Uh he had a he had a sighting in nineteen uh uh forty nine down at White Sands, and that that sighting had been, uh, like he said, the the uh, the Air Force intelligence and Navy intelligence weren't interested about the sighting. They they 1949 was a low point for UFO research. Say, so be he, he and the and the uh, Navy guys that had seen the UFO. They went to the Air Force Office of Intelligence on White Sands, and they made them take the report. And the same thing with the Navy. They made them take the report. The report got up to uh, 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 C.B. Moore's, his uh, supervisor, not his, not his direct supervisor, but way up in the Navy, and they, uh, this guy thought this was such an important sighting, he had it sent to the CIA. So it's in the CIA records there. Um, and he said, yeah, we had to we had to force these guys to take this sighting. And he says, then it ends up in the CIA. So it's, it's interesting. Um, 
Ruppel visited them, and uh, this is uh, these are areographers. They're balloonists. They send up uh, research balloons. They visited them up in uh, in uh, uh, Minnesota, uh, and the the vice president of the company said everybody that's seen a UFO will be there for this uh, talk with Captain Ruppel. And of course, Rupel was brand new, and he tried to he tried to tell all these guys that know everything about research balloons about how they probably didn't see what they thought they saw. And uh, he said, in he said, there were many times during the during my talk, I thought they were going to take me and throw me out in the snow because it happened during during the winter, and I would be in a snowbank left for dead. But uh, uh, we found out that the uh, Rupel had had left instructions about how to make a UFO report, but he had uh, burned his bridges because these guys said this 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 young guy doesn't know anything. We'll never make a UFO report to him. He's freaking crazy. So that's how. It's another uh, uh, piece of information in the historical record. Very interesting one. They they uh, really uh, were unimpressed with him. And of course, he says his his side of the story. Oh, these guys are the true believers, and uh, um, they really. Uh, uh, They'll believe anything about UFOs, which they didn't. But they they said we're not we're not ever going to talk to this guy again. He thought he left there and everybody was you know liked him and everything, but they didn't. They were they were uh, insulted actually at his behavior and his attitude towards uh, UFOs. In fact, they even went up went out to the uh, newspaper and gave him an interview how they. Um, uh, the uh, phenomenon should be uh, more seriously treated, and that uh, they didn't think that the uh, uh, the official officials had uh, seriously considered the, uh, what was going on. It was important to have an unbiased UFO pro- program. Um, so, like I said, that that's just that's just very interesting, um, and it's another data point for uh, for the history that you can put down. <laughs> we also thank you. Yeah, you've been doing a great job for helping us. We're on the hour now, so. I can just tell everybody this is Jan Aldrich of Connecticut. He's got 50 years experience behind him, a lot of interviews, prior security. Uh, He was U.S. Army. I was U.S. Navy. And we found each other, uh, I guess, in ufology. He asked me once, uh, one of his, uh, we're making a book, oral report book. This is book two, episode five, 
But, you know, we found each other, but it was through our ACO, Ace Folk Life, and Smithsonian and Dr. Bruce McAbee, Ph.D., so I'd like to mention Dr. Bruce. And we recently had a new member, 2020, that stepped up to the plate to help us uh, as far as directorship and helping lead uh, our ACO club, and that's Dr. Bruce Cornett. And uh, Hugh Trollson, I talked to him today, but there are veterans that are over 55. They're all trying to do their best to get their own archives, but occasionally they want to come on and just not be forgotten. So we provide a way to do that, and I pay the bill for this TGMRCT radio. But this lets you know who's in what club, who's got what genre going on or hobby or professional association. Now, Jan, you told me you felt like, in our club, where I'm helping people learn uh, oh, health and wellness as an advocate, integrative medicine, which we just had a event here in Milton, and uh, we usually have three to 500 people, but we also open the door to the public, usually at $5 a ticket. But let's say we have one annual event. We're on the hour now, so just to put in a quick infomercial. Uh, if we come together... And you and I talked last week about it being near airport, but I've got uh, kids, and I say kids, folks, in their 20s, now seeing my, uh, like, Cosmos Ambassador or Ascension Psychic or whether they're spiritually, metaphysically involved, wanting to know how would they get involved with us as life coaches, and uh, some of them, I've been watching different YouTubes and uh, want to create content, but some of them, if they see a UFO, they'd like, well, do I just point my camera or my, you know, uh, this one ACO Air Force security guy says, everybody's using their phones now and he'll come on and help us, you know, better with all of that. But uh, we got to find people we want to work with. And so that's the association and the, it doesn't have to be spiritual group or UFO group. Uh, we have niche genres. And what I want you to do, Jan, is help me provide structure for everybody and help them in their Internet archiving. Like you have 1947, but you've also been to all these meetings. And the oral history, like this would be considered oral history because we're archiving it on the radio. And I'm going to hopefully keep all these and get them kept somewhere. But it's so expensive for so many radio shows holding the bandwidth. There's live, and then it's gone unless you have the ability to record it, archive it, and use it as a replay podcast, which I do on lots of these iHeart and iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher. I pay for all this, Spreaker, you know, and Voscast, and this is on Box Nest. Uh, you know what I'm saying. And it takes a lot of money to, not everybody has that kind of money, but you were out there traveling. But last week, you, I said it on our, our last show, you told us about what it cost for oral history, and I'm using their prices. It comes out to fuck roughly 100 a year or $3 a month if you want to just be a supporter or contributor. Or just supply, you know, collect your own stuff. So how do we tell people if they can't? It's hard to be in MUFON unless you got money to travel. It's hard to be in Kufos now because they're running out of places to keep the 
archives. NICAP is no longer, and those ones you mentioned, Saucer, I, I don't know if it's C. Uh, CSI, anyway, about, yeah, Civilian Saucer Investigations in yeah, Los Angeles. So, right. So with our UFO Association and Alien Contact Organization, I'm trying to run with the ACO Association of Professional People and Directory. I want to let them know that just because they're doing free social media and throwing it up on Facebook or Twitter or Pinterest doesn't mean they'll have it the next day even. And really, once they throw it up on there, doesn't it belong to social media, Facebook, versus you've got Project 1947 and I've got TeresaJMorris.com. But can you explain all that? You know, why are we doing this oral history and where where does it go? It requires money and bandwidth. So. We're trying to set up a club that we can meet annually and discuss what all we're doing. I don't care if it's aliens or UFOs or writing a book, a book club. You know, we're all coming together on radio show. We've got a lot of radio hosts. But one meeting a year for our groups, and they can be life coaches and train other people. We can certify them if we want and discuss phones and photography and even have people interviewing the, inter- you know, train the trainers, annual get-together. Right. But you go to some of these annual meetings, and, you know, me and Bruce aren't invited to go to that one you had in Chicago. So explain to people, this we're going to – I'm telling people, well, I'll have to talk to Jan, because as of last week, I'm telling people I'm not just doing free social media and helping them – put their name. I just got off the phone with Hugh Charlson and told him, Hugh, I can't afford to keep all this stuff you send, you know, and tried to get him to write a book. So I can't get everybody to write their own books and record their own life history. So I'm more than happy to help people, but I'm not a guru and I'm not a, a rich person either. So well, you and I yeah, none of us are happy. rich, I don't think. No. I, uh... So how do we share what we do? I mean, I can't, I'm not trying... I'm not. I'm retired investigator, journalist, prior military service, but now people, the government, and everybody is asking us to help them. Fifty-five to 125, and they're going to take on and help us with a 60 to 80 year crew, and then 80 to 100. We're extending life, and a lot of people have that did retire. They're coming back in the internet. That's offering ways to help other people remotely, and they're doing part-time jobs at home on their computers. So we I'm not even sure how we're going to do all this, but I told them I'll help with adults continuing education online remotely out of my house, and I'll run my radio and my websites. But still, people will want to meet annually, like Janet and, and Tommy. I've never met Tommy, so once a year, we can have them come to our health and wellness here in the bar at the conference center once a year. But I don't know if you would come. There's no international airport. You'd have to fly into Pensacola, you know. And uh, I guess you could train as a life coach, uh, depending on these kids hauling the military. I've got six military bases around here. But they want to train when they get off of three, like tomorrow. But they want to meet me, and they want to have a monthly meeting and then have an annual meeting. And I'm like, whoa, let me talk to Jan. (laughs) This is getting really big fast so help me out here we can provide a place to have a directory of people like if you want to say Teresa that's a ufologist I don't know this person 
Is, are you are we going to base it on fifty five to eighty five people we know only like Greenwood? Yeah, I don't know a lot of people in ufology. I just don't know. And you well, know, you know Barry Greenwood. Let's start with him. What yeah, about so the guy? I know him, but you know, I, uh, um, but he's in our fifty five or older. He's in our old guys group, right? Yeah. <laughs> Is yeah, everybody yeah. you know? Yeah. He's younger than me, older? though. Oh, he is? Yeah, so. Okay, well, I'm 68, so folks, we don't know how long we'll have this association. Me and Jan got together sort of saying we could kick the bucket at any time, but, you know, I offered to do an oral report because he's had cancer and he wants to list people's names that he's worked with in the past. And Don Berliner, or Berliner is what you call him, is Don still alive? I've heard his name yes, recently he is. on a couple yeah. of years. Yeah, he is. He's in uh, Michigan. I wonder if they'd want me to interview him and put him as a ufologist. Well, you we got to interview him first. Every time we start talking about that, he uh, he tries to squirm out of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he doesn't want to have an oral report on who he is. <laughs> is he still invisible? We called it the invisible people in our metaphysical invisible college, but they were ufologists technically the way kids call us today. They call us ufologists because we were involved with UFOs and the history and interested in the military. And But now uh, tell people more about the history of KUFOs and MUFON. Were they just people? I know the couple in Wisconsin, but Dr. Bruce McAbee is the one that uh, – came to the Central Intelligence Agency in Washington, D.C. and gave uh, talks, right? That was Dr. Bruce. Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, as uh, Richard Hall said, he was playing footsie with the uh, CIA. And a lot of people... <laughs> now, there's a lot of people in this business that are real paranoid. But it's nothing like it was in the 80s and 90s. And so if he just talked to the CIA, everybody was all up in arms because he talked to the CIA. I said, I'll talk to anybody. I don't care. And uh, uh, it was the same way in NICAP. NICAP had maybe... Well, Keo's got in his book his uh, Flying Saucers Top Secret. He's got a, a listing of each uh, confidential case they had that he would he was willing to uh, comment on. And the reason they were confidential is because the guys that gave him the case were either still on active duty military or they were airline pilots. Or scientists that didn't want their names to be involved with this. But besides that, the uh, uh, you know if the CIA wanted information, they could come over any time and get it if if they wanted to. Now, um, in 1963, uh, NICAP published something called the UFO Evidence, which I recommend everybody get a copy of that because you can get it online at Amazon for a couple of a couple of bucks or you can go to the NICAP web, website and 
it's it's right there. You can look at it online if you don't want to spend, you know, order it through Amazon. But they, they still got plenty of copies running around. But when that thing came out, one of the things that uh, NICAP did, they sent one to every senator and congressman and a lot of scientists and a lot of news people. And so uh, Berliner's tell, Don Berliner's telling me, he said, yeah, we had a visit from the CIA. And I said, what, did they tell you they were CIA? He said, no. He said, they had the same shoes, the same pants, the same suit, everything but the same tie. And he said, the same jacket. He said, these, these, these guys look like they were um, almost in a uniform. And he said uh, they tried to be casual and 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 ask questions, but he said I felt like I was being interrogated. <laughs> so they came up there and you know, and they bought a bunch of, uh, of uh, copies of the UFO evidence. Um, and you know, they asked questions about you know if they they wanted if they if they had questions could they come back and ask them and stuff like that and he <laughs> he said these guys aren't fooling anybody I know who they are <clears throat> uh, if they had identified themselves uh, Dick Hall probably would have just given them copies but anyways they bought copies so years later I mean you know like about six or seven years later. They did get a visit from an actual, uh, from some CIA agents. They came up there, and Hall told them what what they do and how they do it. And there's no secret about you know what we do, except for the few reports that are from people that uh, you know don't want their names involved. And they asked to see some reports, so. Uh, he dug out some reports from the files and made them copies, and they took them away. And they said, "We're going to have a, we're going to we're going to have an investigation of you, and we're going to uh, issue you a clearance, and you can come over to the CIA and maybe uh, talk to us about this stuff." And he said, "Sure, fine." So. No, <coughs> We we aren't uh, we weren't particularly there was not much that we had that we wouldn't discuss with anybody at the time or let's put it this way that Dick wouldn't discuss with any anybody at the time so uh, he did find out he was actually put in for a clearance and he they were investigating his background and he had no idea about what level it was going to be. But uh, uh, nothing ever happened afterwards. So he tried to put in a FOIA request to find out um, what they had found. And he, you know, since it's a FOIA on himself, he, he waived all his privacy rights and said, yeah, I don't care. Just send me what you got on me. <laughs> and you know what? They wouldn't do it. Yeah, I know. I tried that myself. 
So, I never thought. I think like Dundas. All right, so you and me, we know what we're supposed to do, but we've got to have all those manuals just about. And they, you know, since you and I got out, now I got out '93. I did '80 to '93 in a uniform. But what did you do? What years were you on in? Uh, Right, and then all the political people that run the different state, Kentucky, and governors, and all the uh, city governors, and then the, I was at the federal level, see, in 67 with Alan Dulles. My dad had to sign the paperwork to get into the government clearance, and he said, my dad was an adult and I was a child, okay, in May 67, but uh, I agreed to do the Houston Spinnerets, and they put my picture in the Houston Chronicle. It was, you know, I looked like airline stewardess in my red little thing on the when we were graduating high school at James Madison High School. And I went into school, and everybody was looking at me like I was a celebrity because I'd been in the newspaper. Woo, yeah. But uh, I didn't realize what all those paperwork and government, but they said it was going to be easy because I was just 15. But they thought I was graduating. I was in the high 11th, and uh, my husband, uh, he was my boyfriend, had five scholarships, including the University of Texas. And then Chris Kraft at NASA hired him direct because his dad worked for Grumman, and it kept him out of going to Vietnam to get killed, you know. So it all worked out for us, but the men in black came and talked to me and Steve uh, in the James Bond movie and got us all involved, and then the Houston Spinnerets, I had a double dose. Well, that confused people when I went back through the uniform wearing because they didn't want me to wear a uniform. They didn't want me to get military training because I've been in 20 years. So when I went for intelligence after I went through Office of Personnel Management, and then I went to Chicago, and the FBI was used to working with me, and I could go in their offices, but right next door, Back when I was a kid, the CIA was right next door. <laughs> and so in Chicago and Wisconsin, that's how I know CIA and the couple that worked in Wisconsin. But uh, they would say, well, because I was an investigator, well, who do I say I work for? Because I had to go take a bunch of tests in Chicago for my intelligence clearance level. And they, and I had to be fast. And they said, God, you're the fastest we ever had. I don't know if they were just blowing smoke up, you know what, but the girls, there was two girls in the CIA office, and I said, well, what am I supposed to tell people as an investigator? They said, just tell people you work for the Secretary of State. So I know back in the 80s, it, being men in black and all that, women in black, we all had these codes inside the government. So, uh, you know, with Hugh Charleston putting his name up there, Charleston and Trump and our group, we're now all the old guys. So were the old women and men in black or that were undercover or invisible college people. But some of us were trained in uniform in the Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines, maybe even Coast Guard. Some of us got briefed, and some of us – I did debriefing and briefing. And some of us knew about confidential secret, top secret, and uh, special access. Crypt- and I used to drive to work with crypto people. And you've been, have you been to Fort Meade or, or NSA? Did you learn about NSA at all or anything yourself? Well, I learned about it because I was in intelligence, but I, no, I've never been to Fort Meade. Uh, or, uh, um, well, it's real complicated. 
you know, and people can go to Langley Air Force Base and not be a spy. They could be training the dogs or something. There's different ways. Yeah, 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 there's different activities going on everywhere. Um, yeah, and I was a truck driver, too. So later on, I became a truck driver. So I was in and out of country. I wore uniforms. I was a GS. And so people in the MUFON and Mutual UFO Network, they don't really get all of that. And a lot of people in MUFON, they don't understand how to be real good historians or journalists or investigators or analysts or reporters of any type. So uh, I thought when you came through with Bigelow, maybe we were going to get it together as star team investigators. So that's when you came up with uh, the other two groups. There was three groups. And that was... Yeah, the Coalition for UFO uh, Research. So that was... Let's establish MUFON, MUFON... Well, uh, 1993. I, right, I got right, right. I got out of the military and I started looking around at uh, um, getting more involved in UFOs because I was out of the army. That's when uh, they put me in '93. I mean, so I uh, I called Berliner and we talked, and I told him I said I want to do uh, I want to continue Ted Blocher's research on 1947. He says. Except for Roswell, there's nothing to find out about 1947. He said Ted found That's what everything. He told me, but I was talking to him on the phone. Yeah, and he, he told me he, that, uh, and I said, I said, well, he said, if you could think of something to do in ufology, he said we're getting some money. Now he didn't tell me it was from Bigelow. He said the the coalition. We got a coalition of the three groups. And we're going to get some money. And, Are you uh, kidding me? That was in 93, so by the time... Yeah, Bigelow but 90, uh, they had oh been God, working on it you. probably back to 92. Holy crap. I kept wondering why Bigelow's name uh, kept coming up in my, all my investigations. Or people, and I'd, I'd run the other way, or I'd be on the interstate. Men in black cars would come up. I'm like, holy shit, who is this Bigelow? I don't. I, that, he was scaring the crap out of me because I was an investigator, and he wanted to know what I know or who I was investigating. So, so it was sort of yeah. spooky. So, but, so uh, yeah. So what what happened? I uh, I had to do my uh, some of the early work. I went out to the uh, West Coast, uh, Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. And just demonstrated that there's still plenty of stuff to dig out of the newspapers, and I let people know that I was interested in this. And there, there's there were still people who were, you know, alive from 1947 who had seen things, and they uh, they sent me uh, some of their. So I I took this into Berliner, and I said, see, nothing, not everything has been found. And he said, "Well, put in a grant then. See if see if the you know." And Bigelow had nothing to do about what was what was uh, what was selected. The the uh, <clears throat> the coalition, Fufor, uh, Kufos, and, and Mufon were the ones. They 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 all they all sent a representative, and they decided what. Who would get grants? And so I got a grant for Project 1947. Well, is that 93? 
is 93. Yep. I had to go that prove so myself weird. first. I had to go. I had to prove that there was there was stuff still to find. And I said, you know, if I'm going to go around the country, I'm not just going to do 1947 though. If I have time, I, the first thing I'm first priority is to find out more about the wave of 1947. But I said after that, I will. Uh, investigate anything else I can on the way. So that's 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 the way that happened. Uh, and I went to uh, 50 states and uh, provinces in Canada. So that's I didn't go to every place like South Carolina or um, Mississippi, but I did go to uh, most of the states and did a lot of research in Washington D.C. and went into Canada and did research up there. So that's... Uh, uh, yeah, I went to South Carolina, Mississippi, and Canada, but I got flown first class into Canada, but they took all my uh, all my uh, suitcases and went through them and didn't return them to Houston for about a week. They were real spooky, Canada, but it was... Uh, the When I was driving a truck coast-to-coast 50 states, because... You know, as an investigator or a journalist or a men in black or whatever in U.S. Treasury or, you know, I could work and pull for the U.S. Treasury, but uh, I had taken the test when I was getting for rehire, and that's why the uh, intelligence agency, I guess, later on got mad because they'd had my paperwork since 67 and then telling me they'd have to buy my contract back in 20 years later in 87 because I screwed it all up by going in and wanting to be a rehire, four by 10. So I signed a new uh, leap year, and they could do eight years, and they had me sign another contract eight years. Then they had me in, you know, because you remember you said 93, and when 93 is the year they brought me, they let me stay in Hawaii, but they had something they wanted me to do on the mainland. So they brought me from Hawaii, after training me over there, to the mainland. And I didn't really necessarily want to come or go or whatever you want to say. That's when the men in black kept showing up saying I wasn't going to get a job and, you know, and scared the girls at the desk, said these men in black showed up and said to tell you to stop looking for a job. They got something they want you to do. So I didn't know if it was Don Berliner and, or if it was uh, CIA or you know, I didn't know who the men in black were, but I, I was always told stay away from nuclear. But then I had to do some investigations on nuclear, TBA and uh, Area 51 kind of, uh, what would they call them, chemical, chemical cases. Remember, remember those chemical cases? People were getting sick. Anyway, that was environmental. I guess it don't matter now. Yeah. But uh, with, the, with the UFO business, not everybody believed in them, and we didn't call it the UFO business. But Don Berliner had written, started writing a book. Now, were you in his book? No, no, in no. 90- what? You mean uh, best evidence? That uh, best best evidence that that book? Well, I don't know how many he wrote. Let me look him up real quick. Let's see. Don. So, uh, yeah. He so- talked to me. And told me if I found them, because he wanted me to make sure while I was driving a truck around the country to help him keep up with his uh, his Penguin Random House is what it says. Author of and me and Stan see that 
I had seen Stan back in 76, I think, when he and I started on the 47 case. So I wanted to pursue that, right, with Stan. You remember Stan Friedman? Right. UFO briefing document, crash of Corona. That's not Don Berliner's. It says Don Berliner. And then it shows books, UFO briefing, crash of Corona. Yeah, that's the one that I helped Stan with. Let me see. What the hell is this one? Well, where's his book? I don't see the book that Don Don had that told me to help him with. Let me look and see. UFO briefing document. No, that's Whitley Strieber. Ah, UFO briefing document. Yeah. Well, Stan and Don were sort of parting ways over books and stuff. You may not have been involved in that. Yeah, I I know about that. Yeah. Oh, you do. Well, then, can we tell people since we can't? Well, I mean, you know, I know that he was he was involved with uh, you know uh, the early Roswell stuff. So. Yeah, but did you know that uh, uh he, uh, he, he his <laughs> name isn't on the on the first book, but he uh he helped write it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well Don and Stan were both talking to me, but I was being like a I don't know, mediator or something. I don't know what I was. I don't know. I better shut up because Don's still alive and I don't wanna uh, there's still a lot of history out there, folks. Let me just put it out that way. Read more about LifeWorks and uh, Stan so, Friedman. Uh, here's, a, here's a government incident that, that, that's really strange because, you know, like I said, NICAP would help anybody out, but the government was not at all cooperative with NICAP. And, of course, uh, when FOIA came around, they were forced to be cooperative for a while until they figured out ways around FOIA. But uh, uh, this happened uh, in the early 60s, way early, before uh, about 62 or so, 63. Um, Oh, he was born June 26, uh, 43. Uh, John was older than me always, let's see. But Stan was older than him, right? Right. So here, here's what happened with this uh, this guy from the state State Department called up Dick Hall, and he says, uh, "Hey, we're assisting these two uh, television producers from uh, Argentina, and they want to do a, a television special on UFOs." Could we? he said, "And I'm uh, helping them." shepherd them around here in Washington, D.C., could we make an appointment to come over and talk to them? So Dick says, sure. Sure. He says, you know, uh, he says, I'm kind of surprised that the State Department's involved here. And he said, oh, uh, well, we like to keep our, uh, you know, friendly relations with people. And they asked us for for cooperation. So so State Department guy comes over, and he's got two uh, Argentine guys with him. And the first thing they do is they whip out their identification. And they were not television producers. They were Argentine Air, uh, Air Force intelligence agents. 
And they requested the State Department to to get an interview with NICAP specifically. They requested that. And they told them what they, uh, at the time in 1962-63, they were having a huge number of UFO cases in in Argentina and uh, Uruguay. And uh, uh, these guys wanted to know everything about NICAP. He said, he said, do you know what? We've tried to get something out of the United States Air Force, and they are not cooperative with us. And we asked the State Department, and he said, yeah, he'll get, he'll, uh, so they wanted to set up uh, little investigation cells all around the country in Argentina. They, they wanted to follow what NICAP did. So after that, the guys from Argentina said, hey, look, you send us your stuff, we'll send you our stuff. <coughs> so they started getting reports, and uh, what they did is they had newspaper articles, which they would translate into English. And Hall would open up the envelopes there and Inside was a letter from a, uh, an Argentine general, you know, saying, uh, uh, here's some reports for your uh, information. And uh, so that went on, and they, uh, after a while, they, the Argentine Navy got in touch with them and said, well, we're investigating UFOs too, so we would like to exchange with you. So that that was something that was is kind of strange because – in in the 60s, it was hard to get the government to do anything for you. And here, here's the State Department. Uh, and they were like working on the other, you know, they're working for, they're, they're helping NICAP out, which is, which is really interesting. And if you get the UFO well, we evidence. We were told to say the State Department while we were in country. You know, because all those rules with the CIA not supposed to be working inside the country, but they did all the time, right? Yeah, yeah they did. They, they had uh, they had what they called a, a domestic contact branch, <laughs> and they could go. They 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 could investigate certain things. Um, <laughs> I guess that was me. Now, the ACIR was an extension of the CIA in-country, right? ACIR, because that was the Allied Command Intergalactic or Interstellar. I I don't know. Coco Hush. It's a cat. So, yeah, so... um, that was one one case where actually the government cooperated with NICAP instead of being, uh, you know, uh, opponents. Uh, and, uh, and the Argentines were very forthcoming with uh, actual UFO reports from, you know, from their pilots and everything. And if you get the UFO evidence, there's a small section where they, uh, uh, where some of those reports are uh, summarized. Well, they were going to let us and the government with the ACAR. They called me in, Reagan, 
uh, I think it was during, yeah, it was Reagan was president and Bush because I had to meet Reagan and Bush. But they chose one person in the whole entire United States, and that was me (laughs) for the ACIR out of NASA and CIA and government, President Reagan and Bush. Isn't that weird? But I'm the token person to keep this going. You think that's because J. Allen Hynek picked me in 85? Uh, Why was Because he's the one that met me on the airplane. uh, And I don't know why I got picked, but I was already given ACIR back in 67, but they didn't let me use it legally till till Reagan got shot at. And they had me sit down in a hotel and tell me something really big was going to happen. And I got to watch the thing play out as part of my training as ACIR. (laughs) And I was like, I don't understand. It was men in black. But I don't know who the men in black were. They never said. And my partner and I, James E. Posey in Investigative Services in Birmingham, got real mad. It's one of the biggest arguments we ever had. He even pulled his gun on me. Oh, I better not say that shit. Oh, I'm in, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> oh, well, we're old. They told me that it wouldn't matter if we stayed under the paranormal desk and we stayed uh, retired. You know what I'm saying? Don, me, you, Stan. And they'd let all the old people make money, and that would be disclosure. That's why I was supposed to help Tom with his book and everything. Right, he did uh, CIA spy games or something. I helped him. Oh, okay. Did they tell you? So that's where that ACIR comes in, but they made it uh, Advisory Council Interstellar Relations in '85 with Reagan and Star Wars, and I had to get come back in and retrain in uniform, and they were going to put me uh, in Memphis as an air traffic controller. And so I had to pass all those physical tests. So you were still in when they were retraining me. Did you know that? Because you were in 80 to 93, right? Yeah. 60. Right, right, right. Yeah, I got out in in January of 93. So you and I trained together with Don Berliner and may have never known it, thinking we were NICAP. You think that's possible? Even though we were in the uh, army, you know, I, I spent I spent most of my time overseas, and NICAP that was is. gone by 1980. So well, then it wasn't NICAP. From, uh, from, from when I went into the army till uh, 1980, I I had very uh, I was mostly overseas, so um, I didn't have much contact with NICAP uh, after I left the states. Well, I'm trying to figure out how Don Berliner and Stan Friedman got involved with me and I got involved with UFOs. Because Stan and I, the Navy came and picked me up in a black van and took me to San Diego. And I had to train over there at Balboa. And they gave me uh, that so they would know that I'd been in and took my Social Security and everything. And uh, the hospital corpsman put me in some kind of all the records in Balboa. Then they let me come back out because my husband was at NASA and raised my kids. So I had four kids. Then they put me back in uniform and send me back to Orlando 
for boot camp training, telling me I'm a four by ten, and I'm in the SAM on an eight year. They put me on a, a retraining piece of paper from eighty five to ninety three, telling me took me in the basement and told me, well, basement goat locker, Houston Mips. And then took me in the Lowry Air Force Base and gave me a really high clearance besides Q, the, you know, TS. And I was waiting on my clearance because that Ames, Ed Ames or something Ames, made it all screwed up in 85. You remember that? Some spy or something screwed up with the anyway, uh, Aldrich it was James. Aldrich. Yeah, yeah. Aldrich he, James. Yeah, yeah. So the German people flew with me and – I knew we were dealing with Europe and Germans. I don't know. Here's what's funny is I was trained from the time I was a teenager in the spy business because I wanted to be a James Bond person, and I've twirled batons and stuff in military. I mean, in the uh, Houston Southwest area near NASA, and married a guy working at Grumman, and then they're putting people on the moon and all that, and I'm a part of that, but. The whole time, I have no clue who I really work for because it's intelligence community. And different groups pass me around. So by the time I got 85, I'd just come back from Africa, and Tom had just come back from Africa, and I checked in in the embassy in uh, London, and I worked with Interpol and uh, Scotland Yard and uh, what is that insurance company? Lloyd's of London. And then uh, that guy, Kevin Smith, the international police guy, he moves, and they, they track me through West Monroe, and then I go on Kevin Smith's show, and he dies. So I don't know who or what was all involved, but it sounds like it was complicated and that people just passed around who they needed as a contractor is what it sounds like. But – uh it all comes back to Reagan and Star Wars and international police and NASA and CIA and NSA. And I, NSA was uh, – I, I dated a lot of – I dated Secret Service, FBI, NSA, NIS. So that's the kind of guys I was hanging out with. You know what all those are. What do they call them? Alphabet soup. <laughs> right. So are you and I supposed to be disclosure in 2020? Because they told me the old guys that they would be able to get together and would put it together like the old guys in 20 years. Yeah, I, so I, we're, I, we're I don't know what disclosure is supposed to be. I don't think they're going to disclose anything. Well, we are disclosure, you and I, and anybody yeah, else in the I, I don't, story. I don't, you know what? I think the government's got more and better data, but I don't think they know anything. Well, we're they're, supposed to be the as, as as Orville Fontas said in uh, in the uh, early '60s. That's what he said. The government's got more and better data, but they're as puzzled as we are. I know, but they know that we know back then. So I guess we're just the uh, archivist of the old guys. What the way I understood it, and what I was lobbying for, and my husband back when we did before we had Homeland Security, Tom had to go before the Congress, Thomas R. Morris, and then uh, George Fowler put him in some of his speeches or whatever they do at MUFON, but uh, where you are when extraterrestrials land or what base and all that. But legally, my husband wanted to stay out of it. 
the CIA came to visit him on his deathbed, but, you know, a couple of times, or at least once. But uh, there was a whole bunch of stuff going on because we were ruining our history. And my husband was a historian and worked at a museum, too. And he had those swords and all kinds of stuff in Germany. And uh, he went down under Hitler, uh, underneath the ground in Hitler, and got stuff out for the government, uh, paintings and stuff they found, underground stuff. He was a real interesting character, and he went to Egypt and the pyramids and left microfish or microdots. It was he was a lot of fun. He had a whole bunch of stories. I hadn't written them all up yet. Hell, I've forgotten most of them. But uh, he told me I couldn't use them till he died. <laughs> so uh, the, my partner told me an investigations just. Uh, Basically, be careful. But the attorney I worked for, he, I, they would never let me write books because the, uh, re, uh, all the people that were in the journalist business for papers, they would want stuff, but they were told to keep anything I did out of the papers. I got a tattoo once. I wasn't supposed to, but it kept me alive. It's a long story with Yakuza and Japan, and uh, I don't want to go there. But anyway, the whole point was that I had to do something to make sure that they understood surveillance, intelligence, reconnaissance, SIR, and then uh, with the Marines. Hey, do you know Dr. Rick Miller? No, I don't think at so. All? He trained some people with intelligence and psychic. Now, uh, did you do anything with remote viewing? Or, no, uh, no, nothing. nothing. My stuff was all, all conventional. Right, but- well, now they do. Well, have it's all not true. Things. I mean, my stuff was all nuclear, but I mean, you know, it wasn't. There's nothing like this, uh, you know, far out stuff. Well, it's not so far out as the Russians had it, and that's why we got involved. But you know, they were doing it anyway because they were finding out about not just zero point energy, but ESP, parapsychology, telekinesis, and was there anything really to that? And that's why Russell Targ. And uh, let's see, I used to know all the names, but I've forgotten them. But anyway, uh, there was three or four guys. They were working on the PR side of the uh, grant or whatever it was, contract for the CIA, right? And that's public knowledge. And now Russell's doing a a show with Paula Harris over at the Starworks or uh, Laughlin, Nevada. You know, they're going for the ESP side of it or the telekinesis or parapsychology or the remote viewing side of the UFO business. But there really is legitimate, not to mention the psychics and stuff. There are some people that do that. But now we're going to go into neuroscience. But that's a whole nother level of uh, prior military. And now, you know, with neuroscience and where we are with uh, not just parapsychology, but neuroscience, what's the other word? Phenomenology and quantum physics and string theory and interdimensional travel. Uh, do you know who uh, – one of the guys that was on a government contract was Stuart David Anderson. Do you remember him? No, I don't you, know anything oh, about okay. him. Oh, okay. Oh, well, you, you probably wouldn't – you'd call it woo-woo, but uh, there really is a lot of stuff in India and Air Force. And when we had the 28 – at one time, we only had 28 space uh, companies on the planet. But Stuart Anderson, David – I think it was David Stuart Anderson – was working with the Air Force, and then he got in on that project, Looking Glass, and uh, what was that project? Where you do the time travel, because time is illusion. Time is man-made, right? 
And they were working on gravity in space at the time because they understood gravity is bullshit too, right? There's Well, not the way – and old Newton, we, we teach that. But this was the stuff we knew in an intelligence intelligence business and in the psychic business so it's gotten to be for now uh, in 2020 we're pretty much caught up with uh, neuroscience and the seven levels and then the beta alpha theta delta gamma and then the five levels of the universe and the dimensions and we're using dis- dimensions and numbers number symbols music and all that so since you didn't train in all that, but it was out there, that just wasn't your division in the intelligence community. So uh, I, I was never – well, I need to make this clear. I was never in the intelligence community. I was an intelligence oh. sergeant. I was assigned to that position. I was – the only training I got was the stuff I got on my own. Oh, I, that's not really true. I went to uh, – two courses in Europe, but uh, I wasn't, my thing about, I wasn't, uh, you know, my thing was keeping nuclear weapons safe. That was my. Okay, yeah, nukes. Yeah, so that's, that's uh, you know, uh, I I wasn't doing, trying to collect intelligence or anything. I was trying to make maintain uh the number a number of people that that needed high level clearances high level clearances and and uh security and intelligence on nuclear weapons. I'm not well, involved in anything that was on the outside or weird or anything. So that's why you knew Stan, because you, you were in the nuclear physicist? No, I didn't know Stan uh, at all until, uh, well, I knew who he was, but I didn't I didn't meet him until mm, 1995. Wow. I didn't know him at all. He, uh, no, he was talking to my husband and me back then, because he was really interested and the cigar, uh, the long mothership, so to speak, but he couldn't get enough intel on it. But he called me. Did you read any? You don't even know about my books, but it's okay because it's mostly just files, articles. But uh, one of them, he, he, I have some. I, I went ahead and uh, got his permission because we didn't have time to write books. We were going to finish a book, one or two of them, but he was already with Don Berliner and there was all kind of problems with Don and him and me and the front covers of their book. And anyway, I don't want to go there, but anyway, I have a long history in intelligence plus uh, book writing, I guess you'd say, right? Cause that's when it all started with that crash at Corona and I can't find the book. It was green. It's gone. They don't have it in the history anymore. It was the original book. It's like that Majestic 12. When you get that original stuff, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have said that. What about, uh, let me change the subject. What about Clifford Stone? Well, Do you know Robert Wood? Yeah, I know Robert Wood. All right, but you don't agree with the MJ-12 because of the uh, keys. Yeah, because he, he uh, you know, he he's using forged documents. 
Timothy Timothy I've seen originals. Oops, I should have said that too. <laughs> I don't know, but I, it looked like original because we used it. Clifford Stone used it. Well, he was in before I was. No, he was in the same time you. No, Clifford had it before I had it. Clifford was in the Army and you were in the Army. I was Air, uh, Navy, Air Force, Marines, but see, I was in from 67, and then when they formed a MUFON, the guys, and they took over from the Wisconsin husband and wife. You and I established that, right? Yeah, the they, they, they broke off from MUFON, I think. I, I'm not sure how that happened. Uh, Nobody wanted no, to talk about it anyways. Well, it's all documented. Now, you and I did a better job when we started this first book. So book one will have them in it. But that couple, and then they came down, and in 1967, because uh, where people started getting involved with me and MUFON was when I was writing the history, and the couple, and NICAP, and that saucer group, and then the guy that came from Wisconsin and then they started the Texas group, and we were already meeting at NASA and uh, with astronauts and historians and men in black, I guess you'd say, the guys that kept the stuff in their houses or underground and all that. So all the groups were trying to make one big thing, and Mutual UFO came down and started uh, the one in, in Texas. Oh, what is the name of that group? Anyway, after that, I started... Uh, getting told to stay out of it, and that's when I went back in the uniform again. So, uh, but I remember when they talked about the uh, MUFON and starting it, four or five guys. And I remember when four or five guys, and we talked about letting, uh, not Bob Lazar, but yeah, Bob Lazar too. We thought it was all over with going public when we did. Uh, my husband and I were in. The, you were in there in the '80s when I was going to Vegas and. In uh, Africa, uh, I was overseas in most of the eighties. Oh, okay. Well, then I, I went. Oh, I went to Germany in eighty four, and I stayed over there until uh, ninety two. Oh, then that's why you don't know about me and Don Berlin. Berliner, you call him Berliner, right? Right. Yeah, he said it was okay. He knew I'd missed his name. All right, but wasn't he? Uh, uh, I can't find him. I can't find the book. He'll probably know if he'll ever talk to you. Ask him about the original book and had a green, it was sort of greenish. Because he told me if they ripped, he was not getting the money for his books. And he told me to, he taught me uh, back in the day with, uh, oh, who was that guy? Went to prison. It was uh, the guy that put the lights and the gates and he took the wrap and went to, uh, Oh, my husband went in prison and visited him during Reagan years. Oh, it doesn't matter. These are stories that are going to get all mixed up. But anyway, when I uh, it had to do with Berliner, Stanton Friedman, and uh, Berlitz. Berlitz, too. And then the guy with my uncle, Strom Thurman. Uh, Strom wanted me to come to uh, Head Kiss. I told him I couldn't come. But they made me – anyway, I don't want to go there either. I don't want anybody to know that. Uh, be a page and stuff and get into politics, and I wasn't interested. But uh, what was that guy's name he introduced me to? 
he wrote a book, and I helped them because they had this stuff in, in Washington. And my uncle was – I shouldn't say my uncle either. He was like third uncle. Anyway, he did our Thurman name. And so he called me, and I was an investigator, ACIR person. And I wondered if it was because of Senator Strom Thurman. That's what the CIA asked me. Oh, shit, I shouldn't have said that either. <laughs> it doesn't matter now that we're retired, right? Because all that was was during a polygraph that didn't – they don't care. I'm guessing because I'm retired. They said after 50 years, and so 67 to 2017 has been 50 years. So as far as I know, I can do this because Tom said once I was dead, and Stanton told me the same thing. But we don't know if Robert Wood was just going to write the book and his son took it over. So there was always controversy over who was writing the story and who was going to get the money for the discovery and all that. So I pretty much stayed out of it. But uh, Stan knew me and my husband and the truth. And Robert Wood never did any investigations. He was uh, him and his son. Now, I talked to his son one day on the phone, and he was going to come on my show, and then he got – it was Thanksgiving – and he got scared out, 2013, 14, 15, somewhere in there. But anyway, Dr. Bruce McAbee, um, he buckled up and did it. And we started this group, ACO, Alien Contact Organization, as a division to promote and disclose alienology versus ufology. So Dr. Bruce McAbee gets credit for the structure and that's when Jan McAbee, you know, she, they met each other in Ohio, and he, uh, she was really good at getting stuff organized. And uh, anyway, basically they fell in love over UFOs, short story. I'll, I'll get her to come tell the story. Yeah, well, that'd be interesting. Involved, yeah, you're all involved with me, but you don't know it through Berliner, Berliner. I've got to say his name right. He never, he'd always got on to me and corrected me, and, and then he finally just said, that's okay. <laughs> so you and so I have she, a whole she seems to be more interested in politics than anything else. Yeah, I know, but that'll pass. But maybe not. I don't know. But you're still uh, watching her on social media, right? Everybody, right? Yes, yeah, she on seems to be uh, interested in politics. I think she's posting for uh, for her husband right now, but. Well, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but that doesn't have anything to do with our association. We're non-political because right, we have Right, but, I, you know, I don't think she's much into UFOs anymore. <clears throat> oh, well, back in the day, she was doing parapsychology, the paranormal desk, and she was going on – she uh, met up with some people. They were doing uh, paranormal group stuff, putting teams together, and then she was going to help me back in the day, 80s or 90s. Or wait, maybe it was 2000. Do uh, it was after she got married. They'd just done the MUFON uh, in Ohio. She was <laughs> she married uh, Dr. Bruce, and then uh, she had her kids over and stuff. And they were all getting excited about uh, paranormal stuff and putting groups. We were building uh, paranormal groups around the country, Paracon, and I helped five years over in uh, uh, Kentucky. Tennessee. Anyway, we were being organizers, agents, consultants, and organizers, putting groups together. 
And now they're famous. They're sort of like para-conventions, like Comic-Con, but they're paranormal cons. And then I went to Mid-South Con in 2016. And then we had some uh, real well-known groups out of Hollywood and television and even helped some of the guys. Uh, and then they come on the radio show. Uh, one of the guys uh, out of Chicago, I started putting together stories and uh, that you'll like this as uh, you collect information. There were people having me put them on my radio show and calling them uh, – Agents and publishers, even Graham Hancock's publisher called me, and they wanted to be on TJ T Radio where you are right now. And they, uh, Graham something, some people, they wanted him on my show for the archive reasons, you know. So anyway, I know you and I are doing what we're supposed to do, but what it was is we're veterans. And I don't know how many people said, please help our veterans. Please help them get their books written. Please help get their life stories. And then uh, Richard Dolan came along and wrote some good books. And then he said on one of my radio shows, it's right here in my archive, Richard said, or maybe he didn't put it on the radio show, but, yeah, I think he did. He idolized Jim Mars. You remember Jim Mars? Yes. Okay. Did you like Jim? Until they got at the end where he died in California, and they were helping him. His I, uh, uh, friend. Yeah, I, I, uh, other than his books, I don't know much about him. Oh, you didn't meet Jim Mars? I don't remember. I didn't meet Mars. He was out of Texas, and uh, I asked the guy that was in charge with his wife's estate or to ask his wife to do more work in our uh Author's book stuff. I'll have to get back with him. I haven't thought about him in a while. I used to do is uh, put him on our websites. These are people out of Hollywood. They're the ones that brought in the uh, big spaceship and uh, all of that in the Comic Con, or not Comic Con. Anyway, some of the UFO events in California up and down the coast. But that's all Hollywood marketing and PR where you cross over into. Uh, Big groups. You and I are talking about. See, here's the deal with Janet. She never came on. She told me she would. I wanted her to separate uh, ACO Alien Con and all the uh, metaphysical and all those events they do in the West. You and I are on the East side, and uh, we can work and do one over here. But we're connected with Chicago and the pyramidology groups, uh, Marta Thomas. But the pyramid people didn't really want to be with the UFO people because Marta, when she had me come up to Chicago, and uh, she was a, a star investigator like with Bigelow or Mifon, I guess. But Marta didn't want to deal with any UFOs. She was strictly doing pyramidology. She didn't want to be so much a ufologist as a pyramidologist. And she had the uh, a crystal skull. And we had a, the crystal, the 13 crystal skulls hooking the grid up and doing, uh, you know, zero-point energy in the grids and following the rhythms and the uh, grid lines they covered in ancient history. So the ancient culture was Bruce Cunningham, and he moved to the Philippines. And he does Ankh... Ankara Watts or Anchor Watts, you know Anchor Watts, UFO yeah. business. So you're familiar with Anchor. Now that's how the spiritual science. But what happened is all my people started wanting to separate all the events. 
and it got real expensive. So uh, Anchor Watts and Bruce Cunningham, and then uh, we separated in Missouri, and uh, the ancient history people separated from the ancient culture people and the ancient aliens, and then the authors' club separated, I guess, from the UFO people. But then they started having those uh, entertainers, Corey Good and uh, Emory Smith and David Wilcock, come in. Have, are you familiar with those names? Mm-hmm. You don't know who uh, Corey Good is, or yeah, I know who Corey Good is. Yeah, but but he I don't just know him. I, I just know of him. He was just a Texas National Guard, but with you being Army. You wouldn't consider him a veteran. No, they're a reserve veteran. But remember, NICAP would use vet reservists, right? You and I, I mean, I was an active reservist here, Mariner program. But uh, anyway, some people use the, the science fiction in their uh, dreams because Corey would dream about blue uh, feathered people or different groups, and people would agree and say they knew who he was talking about because they'd seen him in dreams and stuff. And now it's a, now it's a, what do they call them, a meme or a, you don't know anymore which one are real or which ones are entertainment. Only Corey, I guess, knows his story. Corey and then David Wilcock, Emory Smith, and there's one other guy they introduced. But uh, they don't know the difference now in uh, entertainment versus ufology. So that's where you came in, because after Richard Dolan met with uh, his wife, and uh, Janet was there, and then what's that guy, John, what is John's last name, John, oh, he's a historian for South America, Tinayuka, he, uh, he was in California, and he says he introduced Richard Dolan to his wife. I think her name's Tammy, but I don't know for sure. But Janet was there when he proposed or something and took pictures at one of those things. But uh, they were all, Ken Johnston was there and met with Corey Good, David Wilcock, and Emory Smith. But I think that was the International UFO Congress. But you haven't gone to that, right? No, no, I've never been. Well, Corey and the My Lab program and Misha Johnston and, uh, Oh, what's uh, Barbara Jean Lindsay and oh that girl out there that does uh, they the whole hypnosis group with uh, separated like uh, you know Stan you and me would be on the same team with Bruce McAbee, but uh, Betty and Barney Hill's niece came in and wrote was writing books back in the day with uh, Stan and Stan wanted me to get with her. Uh, Kathy Lean Martin. So I called, or she called me back, or something. Anyway, uh, he told her to call me or something. But Kathleen came on my show, and she had gotten with another girl down here in Florida, and they started doing uh, support groups, like Star Talk support groups. And he went ahead and finished a book with her, and him and Kathy Martin started doing those UFO. Uh, conferences because he'd call me or write me I got a whole bunch of emails but uh, Kathy called me about helping uh, and asked me to help Peter Robbins or get Peter because he liked to MC and ball do you know Peter Robbins in New York no no I don't 
Okay. Well, you know, that's okay because these are all those uh, conference people, right, event people? Right. Yeah, Janet knows them, but that Corey Good, he had he knew some people, but Corey and Emory Smith got involved with David Wilcock. Now, David Wilcock was way back in the day reading books, and then he took the Edgar Casey route, and then he was said to look like Edgar Casey or something. But that gets into now. Where would you put that? Uh, near death, out of body, reincarnation, uh, ascension. Uh, center and the one in North Carolina, parapsychology. But what is the Edgar Casey group to you? Is that uh, we've gone over shoot the Edgar Casey Center? Those are those Theosophical people, or Nostradamus people, ARE Association. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Research. All right, they're called Research and Enlightenment. Well, we'll keep going with you, but Janet calls you the, like a nuts and bolts, but really you're like Richard Dolan. Y'all are bona fide historians, even though you may not agree. Yeah, that's what I'm – yeah, that's one of the main things I'm interested in is history. Yeah, so that's not necessarily nuts and bolts people. Those are the people that chase after like Robert Wood. Uh, they won't just, just tell me about down – all they'd like is TJ just – all I want to know is about the downed ships. Just get me the – they just want the equipment, the downed ships, right? That's the only stories they're interested in. But I don't know what David's interested in. I, I haven't been listening to him or Corey or Emery or any of those since they went Hollywood. I know they got their teeth – he got his teeth fixed, and then they're all getting their own cameras and trying to get people to invest in each of their own YouTube accounts, right, or Vimeo or wherever they're doing them. <laughs> Really? Now you oh, don't have, yeah. yeah. They're all going straight YouTube, Vimeo, or YouTube. You know, everybody's yeah. investing in uh, content, but they're all going like you said. They want their own equipment. So Corey is on LinkedIn advertising as a producer now. But as far as his military, I think you would put. I don't know that you would consider him a ufologist because he's only, or I don't know, a veteran. Texas National Guard, you never told me, is Texas National Guard, but they can still be considered a reservist? Well, is... they're, they're a National Guard, so they <clears throat> they can retire. At, you know, I think it's they can retire at 60, I think. Yeah, but since he was a reservist, he's not really a historian or ufologist, right? They're, they're Army at National the, Guard. They're at the... Uh, I mean, the the state is the ones that support that are well not support them, but they're they're uh, for the Texas state militias essentially. Uh, unless they get nationalized, then they come on come into the regular army. But they, yeah, they. Uh, Tracy Norris was the yeah we we we. we we regularly send uh, National Guard people all over the world here from Connecticut. I mean, the MPs were in Iraq after the uh, after the war was over. It was, uh, well, after after they got rid of Saddam, the war wasn't over after Saddam. <laughs> but we'll have to talk about the that MPs were week. over there for a long. Uh, they sent them over there, and that's that's really. Uh, yeah. So we no, have MPs here, and we have uh, Air National Guard, and we have um, 
we have uh, army uh, helicopter groups and things like that here. Well, that'd be interesting to talk about next week because infantry brigade. There's a lot of stuff I don't know that I should have because I crossed over. I did joint joint intelligence for Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, and then helping the older men veterans, and if they wanted to get their story out or help get their books out. So that's when we had the Ace Folk Life, and then we got started with the uh, VAs and the Veterans Associations. And then I got pulled into a couple places, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia. So you think you could come back next week and we can do more? We can do the Geronimo story with the Army and how all that involves Texas. Yeah, sure. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, let's just leave off there, and you help me next week. You can help me with the OPM and the GS status versus – we'll explain to people GS working on base, reservist, uh, you know, the difference in enlisted and officers and uh, the history of Geronimo and people like the skull and bones and the bushes and what was that guy with a K, some politician – Mormon guy, I think. I think he's still around. Jim Carrey, something Carrey. I think he may be from Texas. You know what I'm talking about? No, I'm Carrey. not sure. He may be in charge of, uh, he may be a Secretary of State now. Kissinger? No, I think it's Carrey. It? Who's the new Secretary, who's in charge of uh, Secretary of State? Well, Carrey was that. Secretary of State under Obama. No, John it's Pompeo. Yeah, oh, Carey. that's right. John Kerry's who I'm talking about. Yeah, but he's got nothing to do with Texas. He lives up here in uh, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. He's in your part of the brain. Well, see, that's the stuff we need to discuss. But wasn't he in charge? Wasn't he? Did he take uh, Clinton's place? He, John no, Kerry, was a Democrat. No, his place. Well, wait a minute. No, I, yeah, I he know. took her place. That's right. Okay, well, let's get straight on who's who and uh, do a who's who, because I don't even know who's who anymore. I'm, I'm just now getting back into the uh, business again. Yeah, he he followed Clinton in the Secretary of uh, State. Okay, well, let's do all this and try to get people to understand a little bit about the government and the military, civilian, GS, a reservist, Texas National Guard, because that's a whole history, just separating the parts and how it devolves oral history and why some people think they're in the UFO secret space program just because they dream stuff. And that was Richard Dolan. He wanted me to, he wanted people that were investigators to get involved with the, uh, uh, I guess you'd say the public side of the government and GS public relations historians, because uh, they were starting to separate when this guy I met at a base, he had real weird hair what was his name? Oh man, I am getting so old. Anyway, there's I met this guy at a couple of bases. One was Dayton, uh, military over UFO stuff, and then in San Diego. Michael Sala was involved with him, and so is Janet. I can't remember his name. Even Ken Johnston. It was Ken Johnston, Michael Sala, and Janet Carol Lesson all involved. And Robert Wood. So they're all involved with this old man that died. And he was on a panel with Corey Good and Richard Dolan, and they all had different stories. And the old man I met, but he had really weird hair, 
And then when he'd come around, he was a, sort of a skirt chaser kind of dude. Anyway, I, you don't know who I'm talking about, do you? He yeah. wrote a book. Oh, man. All right. Well, we'll talk about it next week, and I'll get Janet to come on and tell you who it is, okay? Okay. Do you not know about the Sphere Being Alliance? That's the Bluebird people. He laughs about it, but you don't know about them? Corey no. Good, Emory Smith, David Wilcott. Well, you don't have to know them. They're, I don't know if you call them entertainers or historians. I don't know what to call them. All right. Well, we went way over. It's only 13 minutes. All right. Yeah, I'm well, surprised they didn't, they didn't come up with their little thing that says, uh, you know, you're finished. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, we got a little late start anyway. All right, so you want to commit to uh, UFO Association next Tuesday, but we're going to discuss Geronimo, military history, Joint Chiefs of Staff, and how it can work with the Allied Command, if you don't mind. We'll use ACIR. It's going to be Allied Command Internet Radio, or it can be Advisory Council Intergovernment Relations or Inter uh, Assured Confidential Investigative Reports. Uh, allied uh, alien contact, uh, intergalactic relations. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. It's an acronym. And also explain the soup. They call it vegetable soup because we're going to be training all these kids and getting them involved with the, the terminology and all that. And be thinking about where you'd be willing to go once a year so we can all meet you. And I don't know. Where, I'd like it to be in the South. You know, we're, we've been talking about Jacksonville, Florida. Well, I have to go see my grandkids. Where are they? In Texas. Oh, wh- where at? What part of Texas? Dallas. All right. Well, I've been people have been begging me to do this in Dallas. We're already hooked up in Dallas. All right. Well, I'll get so, with Daryl uh, Sims. And, and then let's see. Uh, my arrangements for this year are kind of. Okay, April I go to Yale, so I'll be down there. After that, I'll probably go to see my grandkids. That's that's Dallas. Then I'll so be in Chicago. Be... I'll be in Chicago for about three months after that. Oh, now Chicago because of J. Allen Hynek. We could do the Kupos group, invite them. I don't know where we would have a, a annual Chicago, uh, but I. They've got International Airport because that's where J. Allen Hynek and I were flying into, J. Allen Hynek. All right, well, let's do uh, every year. I'm I'm supposed to do uh, more interviews, and then – so I'm – yeah, I'm committed for a lot of things right now. All right, so we got Texas and Chicago. Okay, let me put Dallas and Chicago. I can do those. I already do Dallas and Chicago. But uh, I used to do Dallas all the time because of my company. When I had an office five years in Hawaii, Dallas, Chicago, New York, Atlanta, Georgia. But I had offices and all those. But, yeah, all right, well, we'll get with the Dallas. I'll get with all the event managers, ACO event managers, and we'll try to get Texas and Dallas and coordinate with you. And we'll have your group, Ace, uh, Ace UFO Ace and uh, meet with uh, ACO UFO historians, and you'll help do our oral history and get everybody trained. So we may have you a desk with your books, like a vendor and then a speaker or something. They know now you can speak because you've been speaking so long on these radio shows. 
All right, well, I'll get back with you, but let's start next Tuesday on starting to get people educated on all the military and uh, the history and the associations and all the groups they're building and have events and why they become speakers at events and get followings. And everybody's doing their own YouTube. But you don't have your own YouTube channel or you do? No, no, I, I don't have time for all this stuff. Okay, well, we're lucky we got yeah, you, you with know. us. Okay. I, well, <laughs> can you get with Barry I'm Greenwood? Trying to, or I'm trying you? to get stuff scanned. And that, let me tell you, that takes right, a you, lot of, that, that's a lot of effort. Well, we got to get you to train all the kids in the universities and stuff to start going around scanning and pick up where you left off. Yeah. Oh, Lord, yeah. it's a lot of training to do. Well, we'll do train-the-trainer programs on this weekly show and keep training the trainers and try to get you connected uh, with at least one annual event, Dallas, Texas. Okay, grandkids are Chicago. I got that. Well, And then uh, – what about Barry Greenwood? Can you connect him to I'm us? going to I'm going to New Mexico too, so I'm going to meet with the University of New Mexico guys, so When is that? Cuz we got a group in Albuquerque. Well, see, that's what I need to uh um that that's that's open. That's open and with the uh um uh, well, we'll get you with I, the I, I hope to get down to Huntsville so and maybe Alabama? to uh Maxwell Air Force Base. So that pretty if you well come down here. F- fills up my uh my card there. Well when are you coming to Huntsville? You mean NASA, right? Birmingham? Huntsville, Alabama? No. That's my territory. I, no. I'm uh, uh yeah, I'm I'm going to uh I think I hope so. Um, Is that in Huntsville, Alabama? Yeah. All right. And, and well, National Air there. Force Base is. I, I I hope after that I can go down to Maxwell Air Force Base and do some research there. Where's Maxwell? What state? In Alabama, it's uh, uh, Mobile. Oh, we already have a conference there. All right, we'll do that at the USA. That's the University of Southern Alabama. That's all cleared. Or wait, I have to get on my insurance papers, but I'll do that. So we're going to do, when will you be, that would be perfect because we've already done that one in 2017. When can you do that in 2020 or 2021? I don't know, maybe 2021. I'm trying to do too much stuff as it is. All right, well, just remember you're going to do train the trainer programs for ACO Club. That's my club. And uh, we'll do uh, UFO Association, and we'll do the Allied Command Intergalactic Relations, ACIR. And uh, that'll be for all the old guys, 55 to 85, that want to – we'll try to do the older people. And uh, what it is is we'll train them to do what, you know, oral history or – or scanning or archiving, and maybe they'll buy their own scanners. You know, a lot of people are retired may get into this because yeah, we yeah. need them, right? Well, just well, be my, thinking. My not... experience is uh, people have their own interests, and they don't, they're not interested in, in, in a lot of, yeah, you know, but some the same of them thing that be. other people are interested in. So. 
Well, well, that's why I've got five different associations. <laughs> that's why I wrote Ace. That's why I'm, I started off with yeah, the book you called you, Ace Life Coach. You spread yourself what? too thin. I know, but all I have to do is organize. I, I, I don't have to speak. I can just prevent the structure. Yeah, well, well I've got I'm, Ace uh, Consultant. I'm a I've worker bee, so I, uh, you know, you're saying well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I don't, you really, I don't have, you know, I. I well, there's people. I got people. I, I'm My not, people I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'm the worker bee. And so well, I'm just the uh, organizer. That's about I all I got people. time for. Well, we'll it's, get it it's organized. Really, uh, it's really hard to break away and start doing other stuff right now. I know you're a content provider, and you're very busy on getting the your boots on the ground are the very most important people. Without the boots on the ground, we don't have a reason to meet once a year, right? Right, right. But that's that, you know. <clears throat> All right. Well, you and Barry could be perfect for uh, teaching, train the trainer, archivists, historians, our book authors, and have a table. And uh, people will just sign up, and they can come on our radio shows, and you can train them. Oral history group, you know. You never know. They may buy their, they may invest, but we don't care if they do or not. The thing is, we're keeping the information and the communication out there, right? And Ace Folk Life is all about if they want to do, like you do, railroads, or uh, you want to do canals, or they want to do. Bluegrass folk life. I do all of it, so we'll just keep doing it all. All right. Well, I better let you go. So okay, uh, you got okay. me all pumped now because now I know you're going to hit Chicago, Dallas, and uh, Mobile. Even Huntsville's fine. So now you gave me some places on the plane that I can concentrate on. Right. That's awesome. All right. Well, New we Mexico. got we got people. Oh, yeah, New Mexico. Well, we already got New Mexico. We got Albuquerque and uh, Barbara Jean. Uh, anyway, we got meetup groups. They'll handle that. Even if uh, they don't want to make any money for their association as a, a charity or nonprofit, they can at least host a place you can talk and train some people for us. Ken R. Johnston handles Mexico. Uh, Texas, uh, the Southwest Regional guy is uh, – Tony R. Elliott, and he wants to do Saturdays at 8 o'clock, so I may have to let him so he can get everything organized in Dallas. But now I thought he was going to do one in San Antonio. Now, the guy in Alabama uh, is uh, – what is his name? He's been with me, like, from the beginning, 2012. Oh, Lewis Reinhardt. He's a musician. Lewis, but he likes to do Mars Conference. You know those Mars Anomaly people like Hoagland? Yeah, you know who you know who Hoagland is, right? I I've lost track of him. I don't know where he is right now. He's still out west. I don't think he ever left his place in Oregon or Washington. He's up there where Doctor Rick Miller is. Uh, Richard well, he used to Hoagland. be in Connecticut. That's when I knew him. Oh shit! Maybe I'm oh I'm getting James Gilliland mixed up with Richard Hoagland. My bad. Yeah, okay. I, I haven't heard of Hoagland for years now. Uh, wait, is it James Hoagland and Richard Gilliland, or the bot vice versa? I forget what. Or is it Richard Hoagland? He used to he used to be a head of the planetarium up here. Oh shit! He's got to be up there in years because uh, he was older than I was. So 
Richard Hoagland or James Gilliland? Hoagland. Okay, well, let me look at Richard Hoagland. Well, that's why this old guy's got a, you know, I don't know if I should help them market their books or their names. or Who was that guy that Strong, Uncle Strong? Richard Hoagland, yeah, old codger, let's see. God, he was born April 25th, 45, Richard Charles Hoagland. Is he still alive? I don't, I don't know if he's still alive. I, I, he I haven't, like I said, I haven't heard of him in years. Here, twenty-five years ago. The last time it's I heard about him was in the nineteen nineties. Oh, he was born in Morristown, New Jersey. He did TV shows: it's God, Man, and ET, Questions of Other Worlds and Science, Mythology and Religion, Books, Dark Mission, The Monument of Mars. Well, anyway, that's Richard Hoagland. Now, the other name is James Gilliland, is out west. I don't, but it doesn't say where he's at. It doesn't matter. He's just an American author, so we can talk about him as long as he's in our authors club. Linda Moton Howe, George Nury, and those kind of people. Art Bell. Art Bell's dead, but he was doing Nevada. All right. Well, we'll get you involved with the uh, Mexico. But can you send me a copy of your itinerary, or do you? Uh, is it on your 1947? Well. Uh, the 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 thing in Chicago is is up in the air. All right. Well, I assume I'm going to be there in in June to August. But uh, right. it doesn't, you know, it a lot of other things have to come together for me to be there. All right. Well, let's so, talk about you know, it, it next week. It might be week. it might be July till September or something like that. Well, okay. I don't know who. Uh, I guess Kufos. That's Jay on the Heinex group. Uh, but all right. Well, I hadn't talked to that guy yet to get him. I keep I keep getting so busy. I keep leaving a bunch of people out. But see, that's why the uh, conferences are good because then we have a location or a region, and then we can get our eight our event managers involved, right? Our planners and coordinators with the hotels, and get the best price. Oh well, that's just business. All right. Well, love and light. Thank you so much, and I'm real excited. And we got a plan for next week, right? And you're doing great as a club uh, train uh, history, oral history coach, and uh, ACE life coach. So thank you for that. ACE Folk Life Smithsonian people. And uh, we'll get you down here to USA University of Southern Alabama, hopefully. And uh, But can you uh, – let's talk and uh, email me your tenor – you don't know when you'll be in Texas either because I can't play anything if I don't know when you're going to be here. Well, I, I figure uh, – let's see. I will be in Kalamazoo on May. I thought I would fly from Kalamazoo to Texas. I thought that's what I'd do. That's and then issue. from from uh from Texas I, I was thinking of going over to uh New Mexico. All right, well let me get I, with, I don't I'll want to jam Darryl myself Stone. up too much though. All right. I'll get with Tony and Doctor Bruce Cornett, which you've already talked to on one of the shows Friday night. In Texas, he I'll does send El Paso. you what I think is my itinerary right now. All right. Well, yeah, because otherwise I have to plan a year in advance. Preferably, I prepare it with everybody, depending on who the uh, coordinator is, a year in advance. So uh, it'd be 2021. But if we can get you involved, at least train the trainer meeting. Uh, we'll have some investigators, reporters, and archivists all of us training up. <laughs> It'll be agents, consultants, and organizers in the Train the Trainer program for ufology. 
and uh, we'll train them on how to investigate and how to archive and how to, uh, you know, get reports, interview. And we may have some documentary people show them the equipment. I, I like to present the cheapest way to do it because they're going to want to use their cell phones, Apple, and put them direct to YouTube. But we'll show them how to make sure we're all on the same page. They'll all want to build their YouTubes. That's what it's all about now, content. So we don't care what the content is, but they do, right? So, all right. Well, thanks, and I'll put you uh, – I'm real excited to have you help us. You did a good job as a life coach tonight for oral history. <laughs> okay. Not too shabby. And UFO Association, we already got you as a ufologist. Well, thanks for helping all the old-timers. And Don Berliner got a lot of publicity. Stan Freeman, Robert Wood, Don uh, Berliner. Tom Berliner, who else? Stan Friedman, even Kathy Marden with her books. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, and uh, hopefully you can get in touch with Barry Greenwood. I'd like to have him come on, too, and have, handle the 80s. To the, yeah, I mean, well, he's, he's got the same problem I got. He's, you know, he's pretty well up to his up to his neck and stuff. Well, he may do a training if y'all both go to the same uh, hush conference. We may get a, a table or a, a you know, side ring to train people. Well, he's going to be Once with me. In, he is going to be with me in Chicago. Okay. So, well, we may have to. He, he may not be there for three months, but he's going to be there. I think he's going to do a couple of three-week things. So. Oh, he may not be. He may be too busy. I may be lucky to get him to do a radio. Well, that's what I'm trying to tell you. I may be too busy. Dang it. Well, (laughs) all right. That's always the problem. The people that work, work all the time. The people that don't, they just want to come and listen. But I want to get people somewhere in between. Right. They're not just talking or spectators. They're uh, they've got time to give us to monthly at least an association, you know. At least well, they got phones and they got computers and put them together and have them scan. They can carry them around in their pocket, a thumb drive, right? So, yeah, so. All right. Let's see. So next Hopefully week we can get Barry out to Chicago for two sessions of three weeks. So that's six weeks. I will be there for 12 weeks. All right. Well, let's think about it because y'all need people, but you're going to have to train them or at least give them, write a manual or I'll write the manual and yeah. y'all can approve it. I'll send yeah, it to you. That's not Ch- I, I keep saying Chicago. I'm going to be in uh, Kalamazoo, not Chicago. Michigan. Kalamazoo, Michigan. Well, that's yeah. up in that area. Well, I've been to Kalamazoo and all that. There's not probably any place in the States if it's got a decent city because I was a truck driver for eight years. And the government had me going all over the place. All right. Well, we'll just do what we're supposed to do as the old guys before we die. We'll leave as much as we can on the planet, and it's up to somebody else. we got to get some young kids doing this stuff. That's what I want. I want some young kids to come in and make sure we're doing all this. The government doesn't have all the money. We're supposed to rela- you know, get some of the pressure off the government. So the old people need jobs or something to do. You know, they can figure out how to make it monetized, passive or whatever. Passive income. All right. Well, I'll catch you next week, okay? Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, everybody. We'll be back next week. Bye. Let's see.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.